You're listening to Actors Endurance, a podcast that inspires actors to never give up on their passion and find ways to continue to grow within the entertainment industry. My name is Shanette Wilson, and I'm an actress, and my co-host is Marlon Hargrave, and he is a teaching artist. And together, we are Actors Endurance. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast with the number one dopest hopes in the game, Shanette Wilson and the great Marlon Hargrave. Now today, y'all, oh yeah, we got something special. We're changing it up on this here podcast. Now we are interviewing one of the first to do it on YouTube. Y'all didn't even know that, but you about to find out. One of the first to do it in YouTube. Now, this Brooklyn, Brooklyn born and bred, self-made uh, entrepreneur himself, the dopest, those craziest, because he's a little crazy, but he's fun, <laughs> uh, professional, producer, uh, uh, content creator, uh, you know, he's a great father as well. Welcome, y'all, to the show, the one, the only, Marquise Smalls, y'all. Thank you, Shanette. Thank you, Marlon. It's a pleasure to be here with y'all and your audience. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Now, um, you know, we definitely have been looking forward to this interview for at least a year. Mm. At least. <laughs> at least. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, so we're definitely happy, uh, happy to have you on the show. So thank you for joining us. Um, Yo, I think we just go ahead and uh, get right into it. Um, Molly, you want to get it? You want to ask him uh, the famous question, you know, since this is Actors Endurance? <laughs> uh, actually, I'm going to ask a question before that one. Uh, you're from Brooklyn, right? I am. Oh, what part? Originally Bed-Stuy, Marcy Projects. Oh, snap. Okay, I lived in Fort Greene for a while. Listen, let me tell you, okay. I love Brooklyn. Uh, I was right at the park, right? I could watch, I could step out of my uh, townhouse and see Spike Lee, the back of his house, like walk right into the park, all of that good stuff. So shout out to Brooklyn. I'm from DC, but Brooklyn was my second home. Love, love, love Brooklyn. Um, uh, so New York, I don't, I don't detect your New York accent. Well, yo, you know, again, I travel, I'm a world traveler now. So I done left those uh, confines when I was 18, when I first went to college. So, um, but I will say this about Fort Greene. Um, I spent a lot of time over there too, because I went to Brooklyn Tech, which was right around the corner from where Spike lived. And so I spent a lot of time up in Fort Greene Park and even crossing um, across the street from Fort Greene Projects playing baseball for Tech. We played at the uh, field that was right across the street from Fort Greene Park. So I know it well. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. Well, we'll get right into it. Uh, shout out to Brooklyn again. Love, love, love me some Brooklyn. Uh, so we would like to know, how have you endured throughout your career? Because this is Actors Endurance. First question is, how do you endure? And you've had a lengthy career. Yeah, I started um, basically in 1997. So you're talking about now it's like, this is my 26th year. Um, wow. I started out as a screenwriter and because I knew I wanted to tell our stories and I wanted to make sure that they were authentic, unlike what Hollywood was doing for our culture, particularly hip hop at the time. So um, I took it personally and I was like, I want to be the one to help change all that. And 
got into it early, had some interesting, great success with my first script and um, that almost got made, but then eventually, so there's a whole story behind that that might, that we might get into. Um, but yeah, so the endurance part of it comes from my own internal and, and upbringing by my mom, which was to just always believe in myself and to know that I bring something unique to the table, no matter what room I enter or no matter what space I'm in. Um, I'm the only one that can bring what I bring with me, you know? So she always reminded me to make sure that I felt like I belonged and felt like, you know, I kept a positive attitude. And as long as I chose to do something, then I always had the um, wherewithal to get through whatever the struggles or the obstacles were. And, and, and I'm a good problem solver too. Well, that's great. That's great. You know, I think um, that's one of the things that people need to remember. Everyone in this world is so unique. So if you just stay true to yourself, you're always going to bring something unique and something different to whatever you end up doing in life, you know? Yeah, and that's, that's going to be really, and not the segue, but that's going to be really one of the issues that actors as well as writers struggle with with AI is that AI can only duplicate what it's programmed to do. And that's where the creatives have to understand. You have to maintain your uniqueness because that's your only way to compete with the AI now. Mm -hmm. And it's not going away. So, yeah. are, are you fearing uh, chat GPT and all of, you know, I mean, that's, it, it's an industry killer. And, and AI has killed a lot of industries. And I think we thought as actors for a while, we thought we were exempt until recently, as we can see. Um, how are you combating that or how, how do you plan to kind of deal with AI, especially as a writer? Yeah, I see it more as a supplement and not a competition. Um, because again, I know AI can't do what I do. You know, AI doesn't have the experience, nor do they have the connectivity with the humans that I've been engaged with. So yeah, it could be programmed, but it won't ever have my um, experience in its algorithm. You know, so again, like I, I just want to encourage people to make sure that you develop your own tools because yes, a computer program, just like we use these apps to go in and I'm gonna just use a basic example, like dating apps, right? Yeah, well, I'm from the generation where we actually used to have to talk to a person on the street or in the bar or in the party to get their attention instead of first in interacting with them across these apps. So I have a totally different mindset around how I can bring my creativity to the table that AI will never have. So I don't, I don't even look at it as a threat. I just look at it as um, what I could use as a supplement, you know, to maybe help me with research or help me, you know, with even outlining some projects now a little faster than if I actually sat down and typed it out myself. Like, yeah, maybe, you know, ChatGPT can help me get started, but I would then take it to a whole other level because again, it can't do what I do. That is so true. That is so true. You know, like, again, how does how does AI actually for especially for us writers, like, how does it actually look at places in structure and break structure, you know, where, you know, it's a better character choice mm -hmm. to make a decision in that moment? You know, like, think about it, like Tarantino's Pulp Fiction could probably never have been written by AI, you know, what I mean, so you got to think about those types of examples that. There's just certain things that, yes, algorithms work for certain things. But again, once the algorithms now become the norm, now everybody's going to be looking for what's not in the algorithms. And that's where you got to stay unique to your creativity and to what you're bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. 
both mm. as a writer and as a performer. That is so true. And now speaking of AI, is since AI is the future, um, we'd like to know where do you see your future? Because I know you do so many things. Like where do you see you know your future? Yeah. So so even when I started, like I started out as a writer because I eventually wanted to be a showrunner, and because there was no real pipelines for black writers to become showrunners when I started. That's what really led me to create my first YouTube series in the first place, because I wanted to show people I can make serialized content and not just one short film at a time or, um, you know, just stick to that one concept. So um, I see my future as eventually having a show or more, um, one or more shows that I'm running and um, developing talent as well as developing uh, more of a better understanding of today's culture and even and even that whole mindset of how to grapple with the new advancements of technology for people who are struggling with that career-wise or struggling with it create creatively. Um, I wanna be a leader in that. So that's where I see my future. I see myself as somebody who can help guide others to success through navigating all of these, you know, new industries as well as some of the you know, more refined things that go on in the industry. Like now that we got the strikes, um, well, at least the writer's strike settled and then hopefully next the actor's strike will get settled in a positive way. Uh, we could really all start moving forward and understanding that there needs to be a dynamic shift in a lot of the practices that have been around for 40 years. You know, a lot of these same practices that are in the Hollywood industry and in the filmmaking business and in television and streaming industries go back 40 years, you know, some, some even 50 to, to the early 70s, you know, with the black exploitation era. Um, so, and even science fiction, you know, like think about it, like a lot of the science fiction stuff that we still resonate with today started during that era, you know, based off of when, you know, we come out of the 60s with civil rights and we come out of, um, and you know, people looking more diverse and trying to come up and create new characters, but also the technology of going into space and things like that. So we have to understand that we got to do a little bit more research around exactly how these last 50 years have truly shaped our cultures and then see if that's the direction we want to keep going in or if we need to expand. I agree. I agree. Wow, so you prepared. I mean, a lot of people may get caught with the pants down, not, not understanding that they do have to set some kind of future with AI in mind. Um, but uh, so let me ask you this. Do you do any stage writing? I do. Stage I've, actually, I've actually written a couple of plays that one of which I'm actually uh, looking to get produced, which is a hip hop musical, which actually was my first screenplay that I wrote, which, like I said um, earlier, almost got made, got down to like the last couple of weeks before the green light got put in and it just got um, replaced by an even more greater, I would say a greater concept that eventually became a movie that people know, like, I don't know if they love it, but I know it became a movie that definitely created a, a franchise, um, which was I Got the Hookup, that that the company that I was working with at the time with my very first script, you know, had talked me through it. It was one of the experiences that really like affected my way of looking at the industry in general, because it was my very first time, like my very first script. I went to NYU, I learned how to write screenplays, even took classes. I had even worked with Spike on his doing the butt video when I was at tech because he shot it at our high school, right? So I had already watched Spike work. I had all of this kind of experience and going into the movie business, 
my very first opportunity in my hip hop musical that I wrote as a script, where I actually wrote it at the time for Meth and Red to star in it at the time. Mind you, this is 1997. So this is when they was just coming together as a duo too. So I was right on the cusp of like what was hot and I, and I was feeling hot too. And they was making me think I was hot. And then at the last minute it was like, yo, you know what happened? Uh, all these cell phone companies are putting money into this project. So we're going to do this one instead. <laughs> so that's where the movie, I got the hookup came about. Um, and so people know the name, people know, you know, it was a Master P project. Um, and I had to take that, you know what I mean? It's not like I could say I could, I didn't have no argument with all the money flowing in from cell phone companies at the time. Cause people got to remember in 1997, cell phones weren't as popular as they are right, right now. It was the beginning. So, and if you remember that movie, that's what it was all about, about them basically, you know, trying to get the cell phones out to the hood and, you know, get them into people's hands. So they chose, economically and that's what again informed my early career in that I understood oh this is the business side of it like it's not really about the artistry all the way through you have to learn how to balance the artistry with the business and so that will help you sustain longevity that will help you sustain your own sanity too for me because once I understood that business side of it and that people were making decisions that you really had no control over especially when it um, affected your bottom line, that's where I chose to become my own producer. Okay. Now, has anyone ever just sat you down and explained the business to you, like the business side of it, or did you just have to, you know, learn as you... Oh, yeah, I've had wonderful mentors, man. Like, and, and I don't really normally name drop, but some of them are, you know, so well-known. I don't feel... Um, opposed to actually telling like I, I will say honestly like there was a time I spent with Spike at the American Black Film Festival and I would even say it was like 2004 where we actually like even post me being in the video he didn't really remember me at first but I went up and introduced myself to him again now you know because when I did the video I was like 16 so yeah. now I'm nine, in 2004 I'm 30 like 33 you know what I mean so different human being at that point. So I had to go up and introduce myself and Shona Spike was so gracious. We wound up, the funny thing was we were walking through the Lowe's Hotel in Miami, both headed to the ABFF after party. And we wound up walking together for the whole, you know, and Spike is just dropping knowledge on me. And, you know, ever since then, it's really resonated with me in the subsequent meetings I've had with him. Um, so I would, I would definitely call him somebody who, you know, gave me some nuggets. Uh, two other people that really, really stand out to me um, are Jamal Joseph, um, who's a former Black Panther, who's also a professor at Columbia University and a great writer, uh, producer and director himself um, up in Harlem. Um, he, he was the first person to actually invite me into his writing for television course um, that he was running through the um, Harlem Arts Alliance and uh, Rosa Rivers and all those people. Um, so Jamal has been a wonderful person who sat me down and, and broke down a lot of the industry. And then also Warrington Hudlin, um, one of the Hudlin brothers, you know, who made some of the most iconic films that I love, House Party, Boomerang, with his brother Reggie. Uh, me and Warrington, like Warrington actually screened one of my first episodes of my web series back in 2005. At, he used to host a... Um, screening series at Tribeca, Tribeca Cinemas. So, you know, at that point, that was my first foray into even producing and to be screening with 
one of my idols and icons at his screening show in lower Manhattan at Tribeca Cinemas was a huge moment for me. And sure enough, the audience was very responsive and, and gave me a lot of, um, you know, energy to keep moving forward with my very first attempt at producing and people loved it. And that's really how things got started. So I would say those were my main people who, when you ask me who's like really sat me down, cause I can tell, I can say this too, cause I share this with every person that I come across with. One thing Warrington said to me from very early was that for this kind of business, you got to ride it like a roller coaster, you know, because they will, always be ups and downs and and it's really not about how you you know go about just being on top with the ups or you know allowing the downs to keep you down it's like you got to understand that as long as you maintain your dedication and commitment to the work then you will have invariably some successes and you will also have some that may not be as successful and you can consider those downs but it doesn't mean that the roller coaster stops you can keep going and so that's an, a metaphor that always stuck with me from the time. And then Warrington actually introduced me to one of the greatest people that I ever looked up to because I read his whole background. I was even going to try to be like him as far as moving to France. And that was Melvin Van Peebles. So once I, <laughs> so once I met the Godfather wow. through Warrington, like I was just like blown away. Like the person that I looked at as like the man that I know helped put Black filmmakers on the map. I got to meet personally and spend time with and talk to. Um, so those are the types of things that, yes, I've been blessed to have those experiences. Um, and I really am appreciative of all of those. So, you know, that's just something that, again, I, I always encourage people in this industry to get out and network and go to film festivals and go to conferences so that you invest in yourself, like spend that badge money um go to those events meet people not with the sense of what they can do for you but try to meet people from a sense of what kind of value can you bring to each other you know like don't just ever look at it as a one-sided interaction look at it as i'm bringing something too i'm walking into this space with something too and so you have to be able to offer that to people to see if they also want to connect with you on that level so you can grow together because again the other big thing that my mentor has always told me about was this is probably the most collaborative business in existence. You know, when you're talking about directors working with actors, directors working with producers, networks, studios, um, even production stages, sound stages, like whatever, like there's so many people involved. And if you ever look at any, you know, major movie, you'll see if you wait for the credits, hundreds of people <laughs> that were involved. So that's something also too, you got to go into it with a mindset of understanding it's not ever about you. It's about us. It's about whoever all is joining your project and coming together to create something that would not be created unless you did it. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was amazing. And that's why I'm glad we had this interview because I'm learning so much more about you. You know, this is, this is interesting. And that was one of our questions, who was your mentor? But yeah, you answered that. <laughs> that was like cool. I said, I, like, like I wouldn't have met any of them had I not gotten out and taken the chance to do something. Like, with, like again, with Spike, and I hate to keep bringing it up, but, you know, I was invited to be a part of that video because they were shooting it in our school. I was a football player and a baseball player at the time, so I, I guess I was pretty popular at the time in school at Tech. And people didn't know this at the time, but Spike, because he lived so close to our school, and you remember Fort Green, Marlin, it was right there. So... 
Spike yeah. actually used our cheerleaders because our cheerleaders at Brooklyn Tech were award-winning competition cheerleaders, right? Wow. So I guess Spike had heard about them. So he used our cheerleaders. All of the scenes in school days where you hear cheerleading voices and you hear like, you know, all of those like real amped up hype scenes with cheerleader voices in the background. Those are our high school cheerleaders at Tech. So what he did was he invited them to not be in the butt video first. And then he told them, hey, if y'all got any guys at your school that you want to be in the video, invite them. And sure enough, they invited me and a couple of my other teammates. And that's how we wound up getting into the video. And we showed up and he spent, and it was amazing. Like having not ever been on a set for a music video or a film before to get there at eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday as a teenager and stay till eight o'clock at night it was my first 12 hour working day ever, but to watch the great Spike Lee work all day long was amazing. <laughs> and so, and again, if anybody wants to go and check out that video on YouTube, uh, you know, the EU doing the butt song that everybody gets to dance to at every party, everybody knows it now. Um, right. I knew face. it back then. <laughs> right, right. Know, from DC, we were so excited. Let me tell you, we were so excited. It's still, um, still probably the biggest go-go song ever. Because yeah, of that. Yeah. So, you know, you uh, can't go nowhere and not know it. <laughs> yeah, you're part of our DC history too, because trust me, everybody who grows up in DC, as we say, everybody, everybody. we know what's up. <laughs> we love our EU, we love Experience Unlimited. Um, and, you know, they've been giving that song a lot of props lately. And uh -huh. so, uh, I, Spike Lee being iconic, that song is iconic. So, uh, you're you're scraping a lot of icons here just across the board, so that's a blessed life right there. Oh yeah, yeah. so you, you <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no, I was just uh, just agreeing. And I, I'm after this interview, I'm gonna go ahead and watch that video again. Plus, I just <laughs> love the song. You know, that reminds yeah. me of my mother. You know, all the cookouts we used to go through as a go to as a kid. That song's always playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, when it came out too, it was, it was so energetic and it was so fun. You know, and it still is to this day. It's it's like a timeless classic. Um, and so that's why, again, I always encourage anybody I meet to, whether you're comfortable or not, try to get out of your comfort zone and go out and meet people and, and put yourself in spaces where you can be around other people that are like-minded, share that creative energy, get caught up in this word that I learned early too, it's called the zeitgeist, like get caught up in the zeitgeist. And, and what the zeitgeist mean is, you know, it's a creative, uh, communal kind of experience where an example of the zeitgeist would be when people have similar ideas because of stuff that we're dealing with culturally and it's all happening around us, but we may not know how to actually articulate it and we may not know what it's really going on, but you're like, oh, that makes me think of something that I want to do and that inspires me to do this and that that takes my thought about something to a whole other level. Like That's the creative communal thought process that creatives share. Love it. Well, we got a couple more questions before we get out of here. Um, we would like to know what are two things, just two, I know you mentioned a few already uh, as far as like film festivals, um, but what are two things you do to maintain industry relationships? Um, communication, like nowadays, way easier. Back in the days when I started, you actually had to write letters to people, like actual <laughs> paper letters and send them out. I still have some in my binder that I've kept, whether they were, um, you know, actual acceptances or rejections. Um, so you have to communicate like that's the biggest thing and you got to find what works for you you know like if you're not really an extrovert and you're not really because i'm not a big talker like I, I, i'll say that right so so i am more comfortable writing an email or writing um a text or writing 
a letter to people than I am actually just coming up to somebody and saying, hey, I'm Marquis Smalls, like, da 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 right? So um, that's the first thing. Figure out your communication style that works for you. And then try to see if you can match that style with others who are already in the industry and established and just develop relationships. And also, the second thing I think, too, is just go in. I like to treat people the way I want to be treated. So I encourage people to go into any of these transactions with a sense of not looking or having expectations of what they might be able to do for you. Like, I, I go into every interaction or transaction with the sense of, I know I'm bringing something to the table myself. I'm bringing value, especially if it's something I want to create or something I want to do, right? So I know I bring my own unique value to that, my own unique perspective to it, my own unique creativity to it, and my own unique work ethic to it. Like only I know how hard I'm willing to work until you get to know me, right? So embrace that about yourself. And don't go into it thinking about, okay, what can this, oh, I, got, I need to get close to this particular person because they could put me on or they can make it happen. No, you want to get close to people who you enjoy being around, who you enjoy working with so that the experience is one that you enjoy the entire time. And then if y'all choose to do a second or third project together, then that's how you continue to grow your career. You can also choose to move and work with different and maybe just you know you creating your first short film or your first small project in some people's minds because to me every project is huge because it wouldn't exist unless you did it right but in some people's minds they look at them as small projects or short films and it's like each one if you build on them then trust me by the time you've done three four five more and more people know who you are and they're going to want to work with you as well okay great Great. Um, now, I hear that you are something that's kind of close to my heart, uh, being a father of a daughter. I hear that you're a girl dad. Uh, how, how, well, just in general, and this, this doesn't even have to be attached to the business, but um, how, how is being a girl dad? Like, what, what is that like? Man, after being a player for all my younger years, and I don't even... <laughs> Like run away from it. Like I'll be honest with it, because um, I'm sure that I got a bunch of friends and women that I've dated that would put that out there about me when I do get famous, if I ever do. Um, but it definitely was the eye opener, you know, for me to truly embrace where I was at that point in my life. Because I, I did become a, a dad later on. Like I didn't become a dad until I was approaching forty. So, wow. um. So I did, it, it made me focus more and make, made me realize that the time that I had to accomplish all the many things that I wanted to accomplish had even more of a purpose now, because now I'm not only looking for my own career success, I'm now also looking to create a legacy for my baby. So it just really, it didn't add any pressure. It just made me focus even more like my my foot like I, I became like cyclops that x that x x-men character where my eyes now was like ready for lasers i was ready for, I mean, so so it just really made me focus more um and it's a beautiful thing because now she's at a performing arts school in midtown manhattan in alvin ellie dance camp exploring musical theater she just got casted in a play that her school is doing and i already 
did a short film with her where she directed and wrote it, where I just kind of guided her through it. And we won an award through the New York City Public Schools Film Festival, where now she's an accredited director and producer and writer, and she's only 12. So <laughs> I'm sharing, you know, whatever I've done and learned with her on a daily basis. And she's, and to just hear her be so excited about it. And, and the fact that she just told me the other day, she's like, yeah, I'm going to start taking active classes on Saturday too. And she's already in piano during the week. So I'm like, how are you doing all this stuff in your schedule? <laughs> but, you know, and, and again, I got to credit her mom as well, who just really has supported her creativity. And, you know, we co-parent, like we, we, we're not together as we raise her, but we, we feel like we do a good job of co-parenting her and allowing her to grow into the human being she wants to be. And, and just to hear your baby have that kind of enthusiasm and excitement about something should be what any parent wants. Yeah. Oh, that is beautiful. I'm so happy to hear that because I know you are a proud father, just like uh, this man right here, you know, two girl dads proud of your babies. That is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, she makes me laugh. She tells me jokes. She tells me about her experiences with her teachers. It just keeps me rolling. I'll be like, yo, and, and as a former teacher myself, so I can relate to that side of it too. And so then I got to give her the other side of it. I'm like, all right, baby, it's okay. If they make you read the same book over again and you don't want to read it again, just kind of like listen to them, let them get through it, because it might not be for you. It might be for all the other students who haven't actually read it. <laughs> Don't get mad. <laughs> she begins frustrated. She's like, why are they making me do something I already did before? I'm like, chill out, you're 12. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Well, um, we're rounding off to the end of this fabulous interview. And uh, of course, we don't want to stop. Uh, we we may have to come back with a part two. I don't think we've asked. Always that down to come back with y'all. This has been fun. Like y'all got me laughing too, and you know, not not all interviews is as fun as this one. So I, I will say that I'm always down to sign up for another episode. All right, that's uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, so Shanette, do you want the martini round? Of course, we named this the martini round because uh, you know the martini shots, and uh, we were trying to figure out our own little speed round here. But uh, we have uh, about five quick. Fun questions. Uh, Shanette, do you want to do it? Yeah, let me let me take over. Let's let's do that. Okay, so the martini round is we're gonna ask you five questions, and they're all just like one or two word answers. So it's first thing that comes to your mind. Um, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. You go ahead and count us down and then uh all right. Five, four, three, two, kaboom. Favorite smell. Roses. Vacate favorite vacation spot? Paris. Cats or dogs? Dogs. What is your favorite shoe? Any Jordan. <laughs> and your favorite time of year? Fall. I'm in my favorite time of year right now. Okay. Can't beat football season. And the weather is just amazing as it changes and the seasons change, the colors, the it's just inspiring to me. Okay, and, and also, I got to add this for my New Yorkers. New Yorkers know, like, fall is, like, the best time because it gets too hot in New York, like, for the summer <laughs> to be enjoyable. <laughs> true. Very, very true. I, yeah, I, I got to say, in New York, fall, but I knew winter was coming. I was like, oh, my God. But fall was pretty cool. I got to give you that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, get that little breeze going. You know what I mean? Like, People are transitioning from, you know, the short, short shirts or the short shorts into, you know, more cooler fashion choices. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> definitely the most fashionable time of the year. I think that's why I liked it because it wasn't too, you know, you know how you got to get layered up. Right. Exactly. Right. And, uh, right. It's right. It's right before layer season. So <laughs> you get a chance to wear your nice cable knit sweaters and, mm-hmm. you know, your sweet jackets. Right. Yeah. Your jean jackets. You know what I mean? Like all the stuff that you really can't wear in the winter or the summer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Well, we thank you for coming on board. And oh, oh wow, this was very eye opening. And uh, I see why she was excited. I really, really do. She's been speaking up for quite some time, and this was definitely worth it. We thank you for launching us off. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Well, you, and like I said, I'm always down to come back and join y'all. So just let me know. We can even, you know, extend it to other topics, and, and, and especially in the acting world. Um, Because I work with some wonderful actors as well, um, where we all started out together before they became famous. And I'm like, wow, I actually can go back and be like, ooh, I knew them when they first got started. Um, So I'm always down. Okay, great, great. Well, Marquise, it was a pleasure to have you on. And we barely even touched the surface into, you know, all that you are as just a human being. So we're definitely going to have you back. But, you know, we really appreciate you coming on, especially being our first interview. That was very purposeful. Um, And, uh, you know, we look forward to having you back again. So you enjoy your day. Thank Thank you. You too. I enjoy the rest of your weekend. Take care. All right. You too. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Bye. Bye-bye.